What's up, Gorilla Social Workers? This is the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. Your crackerjack clinical insurgents pitting evidence against anecdotes with your hosts, Jeff, Rusty Springs Moore, and yours faithfully, Mace Warren. Jeff and I are both forensic psychotherapists that specialize in the clinical treatment of those involved in the criminal justice system. We love sharing our misguided musings with all of you, and we thank you so much for your ongoing listenership. Today, we sit down to discuss the clinical skill of emergency planning. This skill is intended to support efforts for relapse prevention by teaching clients strategies to interrupt a crisis situation that could lead to a potential high-risk situations. The purpose of this clinical skill is to prepare and equip clients that may find themselves in risky situations while in treatment with a select set of skills to manage those situations so they can achieve their goals. Excellent podcast for both therapists and clients. If you like what you hear, put the five-star ratings address on Craigslist advertising that their house is going to be demolished and everything the reader can remove is free. And now, on with the show. You hearing that sucker? Yep. Hey, ho, oh, let's, let's go. go. <laughs> Dude, like what's that? What is that? Uh, What is the the chorus to that song? I can hear the tune, but not Blitzkrieg. Bop. Oh, it's Blitzkrieg Bop. Yeah. Dude, is there anything? Is there any like, uh, you know, when there's like a, a word that sounds like exactly what it is? Yeah. Like you could speak any. Or whatever it is. Right. You could speak any language. And hear the word Blitzkrieg and you'd know what it was. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a cool word. Yeah. It, I, <laughs> that song. Blitzkrieg. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I don't know, though, that song. I never really got into punk stuff. I could never understand it. Do you? You ever not, dig that? Not really. I feel like I, I, I felt like I should like punk, but yeah. I never landed with it. Would you get me. the mic close to your face? Ooh, yeah, right, right there. That's oh yeah. Ooh. People want to hear that voice, dude. Yeah, the, my silky smooth voice. <laughs> no, they they dig it. Everybody says that you like everybody who meets you. Um oh I was I was gonna ask you about this because how many challenge coins do you have? Uh, five. Five. I've got one. It was my first one because we are you doing that run? No. Oh my God. So you got one for not even doing anything. And, uh, and I got one and I'm running, I think, I think I'm running 18 miles total for them on the, on that race with them. I gave the appearance that I'm doing something worthwhile. I think dude, like, I think it, so I don't want to like you for sure have a more, um, uh, people always describe you as down to earth and comforting and stuff like that huh. versus I, I just, I, I don't know if I like around me. Cause I think in terms of our body of work, we've done a lot of equivalent stuff for mm-hmm. corrections. Right. And I've gotten one and it was only issued to me two weeks ago. So, well, I've only earned one. Well, how, yeah, but how, they give them to you, don't they? Yeah. Okay. Well yeah, then, but I, but I, did some, I did something cool to get one. The other ones I was, I, I traded in. What'd you do? Cool. To, wait, you traded in stuff. I, so check this out. I got, uh, the, the first one I ever got was from nuke and I got that. That's the one I earned. And I, I used the one I earned because captain Smith thought it was cool. He didn't have a nuke one. So he says, give me the nuke one and I'll give you a promontory and, uh, um, lone peak maybe is the one mm-hmm. I have. 
And, uh, and I mean, he said something nice, of course, like I love working with you guys. you know, I wish that could continue, but you know, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. so, so I got the two from him and then, oh no, I heard the other one too. Then and the, the Utah women of law enforcement, when I did oh, that podcast did with that. Nita. Yeah, yeah. When you did that. Oh, okay. and they gave me two for that. You got two challenge points yeah. for that. Yep. So, but the only one I earned, I, I, uh, I, I used a bolt cutter, uh, to like, to, to like cut through a chain that they were trying to see if the chain would be adequate to prevent break-ins into like squad cars and stuff. And no one else at nuke had the strength to be able to use a bolt cutter to break it. But McCain handed me the bolt cutter and I snapped right through it. And he's like, thank you. We need a thicker chain. Here's a challenge coin. There's a, there's a, I wonder there's a, uh, there's a, a thing going on at Weaver County jail right now. I don't know if you saw there's, um, it's like a, it's it's on the whiteboard, like white right when you walk in, and it said in June that there's a challenge with the sheriff if you can out bench press him. What really? That you'll get money, and I was like, uh, I'm not even like because I, I mean, is I Arbin jacked? I've heard rumors he's super strong. Huh. So, um, but I mean, like, I don't know, I. It, what I don't want to have happen, and this sounds super, I don't know, pretentious and conceited, but I don't want to go in there and like show off. That'd just be dumb. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, so, because, uh, I mean, I could push a lot of weight, right? And so, are you like, sure you want to show up the big man? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if I could get a challenge coin out of it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might just beat it by like two and a half pounds and just barely scrape it out. Yeah, really make it look like you're struggling. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or not. I've already decided I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. The people were hitting me up about it. Officers were, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, it, it, it does look a little like, look at me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm not interested in it at all. So, but yeah, well, anyway, I got to figure out how to get more challenge coins. Those things are cool. <laughs> I like how heavy they are. They remind me of like They're a serious, a gnarly pog, dude, <laughs> like a slammer, right? Yeah. yeah. You could use them as a slammer. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of a, Blitzkrieg. And if you're in a Blitzkrieg, yeah. you'd want to put together an emergency strategy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. I know, right? Yeah. Um. So, so we came up with this idea of when we're doing clinical skills to kind of do just a a, a quick kind of you know run through of the clinical skill. Normally, when we're doing these uh, for listeners who are you know paying attention to like uh, on the clinical side of these, um, you know, we do these in a group type setting. And or we're doing this in an individual setting. And and what happens is, is, you know, a group setting, we have a stepwise process where they'll come in and we, you know, we have one group to the next. And with, I don't know, however many group members, usually like 10 or 12, there's plenty of content to apply to the to the strategy. Right. So if you teach the clinical skill quickly, usually it can be done in 15 or 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Without like feedback. Right. Um, And with an individual client, you know, you would. So, so obviously, well, before you get into that group clients, you'd obviously want to facilitate this and asking them, pausing, asking them how to apply these things. How does this apply to you? Mm-hmm. What are some situations you can see this being useful? Obviously, the objective there is to motivate them as to why the skill is important and then yeah. link that with something that has value in their life and then teach them how to do the skill, rehearse the skill and then have them develop some sort of practical application commitment between now and next session. That's right? pretty good, man. Yeah. yeah. And same thing goes with individuals. You just got to work a little bit harder, you know, because individuals should be a little bit more dynamic. I'd say if you're 
you know, try to adjust to the client need as they're coming in. So I wouldn't always say do an emergency strategy, although you wouldn't say I was doing emergency strategy. Well, I mean, you know, so so on emergency strategies, like on, on here's the reason why is um, because this might not be useful. Well, I guess it could be useful for anybody who's making high risk decisions and high risk behaviors. Right. So emergency strategies are essentially they're a relapse prevention technique. Yeah. OK. And relapse prevention. I know that that has a lot of um, real estate in substance use world. Right. But. Um, you know, the origins of that word, right. Or that term relapse prevention. I don't think I do. So it's just a, it's just a medical term. It's just returning to a state in which you were, Oh, like you'd diabetes or something. Yeah. Like, like it, you'd previously made progress from. Okay. So, um, and medical model stuff that we've adopted. Right. And, and it's, I think it's appropriate to use it that way, but most people think of relapses as like a failure or a setback or something like that. And the way I describe it is like this. So um, uh, pretend you had asthma, right? And you go into your doctor and you say, doc, I've got asthma, right? And he said, I felt like I was dying the other day. And uh, he's like, okay, well, we're going to give you a once a day corticosteroid. You take this and then we're going to give you an, an inhaler that is for emergency use. If you start having an asthma attack again, we want you to use this, use this inhaler. You say, okay, doc, got it. Thanks. So then, I don't know, three days later or something like that, uh, you're running, you have an asthma attack, right? And you pull out your trusty inhaler and you use it and you use it as directed, but you still doesn't do anything. doesn't have the effect, the, the desired effect, right? And you got to go to the emergency room and you know, you're buggered all up or whatever. Okay. You go back to your doc what are you naturally going to ask for? A stronger dose or right. a better version? So a different. stronger dose or a change in medication, right? right? So I think a, a good way to look at this is relapse can apply to anything. If I'm trying to avoid a certain type of behavior that I've deemed to be high risk, you know, and, and high risk is just anything that is bringing you back to a state in which you're trying to avoid. Right. Yeah, this doesn't have to be related to like sexual offending or drug abuse. Right. Substance use is easy. Sex offending is easy. But I think if you're thinking of like depressive states or yeah, anger, any of those things, you can say, that's what I'm going back to. And a relapse, all that is an indication of is you need to adjust your treatment. That's it. You need to adjust your treatment plan. So that would be a conversation you have with your therapist. So, the reason I say I don't always do it is because I don't know if it's necessary. You know, I don't know if you'll always need an emergency strategy. I think when substance use is, is there, I think because of the prevalence of relapse and substance use, of course do it. You know, same thing in sex fitting, but I don't know, depressive stuff and you might be okay. You know well, what I mean? Well, yeah. Uh, well, as we'll be getting into, these are essentially like coping strategies, emotional regulation techniques, but what, what would you say the difference is between a standard, coping skill and an emergency strategy as far as like utility or whatever. Yeah. I mean, a standard coping skill should, is not one is not one that risk is imminent, right? Risk for the behavior is imminent. And if you don't intervene quickly, that something's going to happen. Um, so an emergency is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, you wouldn't want to use these on a, on a routine basis, you know, and, mm -hmm. and also, you know, you have to kind of use it early on when you're seeing these come in and, and, um, and there's a couple components to this that are really kind of important. And the, 
the analogy that we've been taught has been stop, drop and roll. Um, I'll talk about why I think there's a better one. I think about this like fire drills. Okay. Like, so I don't know when we were in school and I don't, there's been fire drills at other places too. I think we did a fire drill at the prison a couple of times too. Yeah. We've, we've done them in staff meeting actually. Too. So, so if they do those, I mean, if you do a fire drill, I mean, are you planning on there being a fire? Is that what your plan is? No, I wouldn't look at it that way. Right. You are, you are recognizing the potential for there being a fire and you want to have a modicum of preparedness for when that comes around. Right. right? That's all you want. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how I view these, um, the stop, drop and roll. Uh, here's the deal. Here's why I'm not, I don't like that analogy is because I, I like that, by the way, you guys can test this. Any clinician listening to this, if you introduce this skill, um, I've, this has never failed. It doesn't matter how old, it doesn't matter what country of origin, doesn't matter what like uh, diversity, where they're from, anything. I tell people, hey, there's three things. And I start a group and I say, there's three things that we have been taught to do when you catch on fire. And what are those? And inevitably, everybody says, stop, mm-hmm, drop, and roll. Right. So it's like one of those things all of us know and rarely do. And there's a reason why, because you can look up like endless YouTube videos of idiots catching fire and doing everything except for stop dropping and rolling. Right. Yes. I have a friend that I, I, I have a story for that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. why do you think that is? Why do you think they, we all know it. We all know it. It's, it's ubiquitous in our society. So why does nobody stop drop and roll? Fear does a really good job of shutting your cognitive part of your brain off and you right. lose. Yeah. Fear, anger, those types of things. Uh, all, all the stuff you've rehearsed in your head's out the window. You're in an emergency right now. And well, uh, well, rehearsed doesn't really factor into it because you think about this fear and anger and other big time emotional states. Let me, when was the, when was the last time you had a jujitsu tournament? Uh, been like three years. Okay. And how'd that go? I got second. Okay. And did you get submitted at any time? No. Okay. So it's just points, right? Yeah. When was the last time you got submitted? In a competition? Anytime. Oh, uh, last week. Okay. And how did you get submitted? I, uh, heel hook. Okay. Now from the time that you knew you were in trouble to the time that you tapped out, what time of frame are we talking about? Uh, maybe three seconds. Okay. So now did you see things leading up to that and were you trying to get out of it? Yeah. Okay. And where was your mind when you were seeing things happening and you were trying to get out of it? Were you panicked at that point? Um, uh, as it became more inevitable that I was getting caught, it, it I mean, I, I wouldn't call it panic, but yeah, my, my alarm bells went off. Hill bit, hooks like, are pretty scary because they can do a lot <laughs> of damage really quickly. Yeah. I trusted the dude I was rolling with. Right, but, right, right. Yeah. So the idea there is you have a lot of practice in those things, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody put you into a choke, for example, and even if it was kind of a deep choke, I have to imagine that you wouldn't freak out immediately, no. right? Because you have training in that, right? right? And that's probably the worst thing that you can do, even though yes. being choked yes. would, to the layperson, provoke a lot of panic and worry and distress. Oh, yeah. Right. So because you've had practice, and this is like, so UFC fighters or, or, or I don't know, like Navy SEALs, anybody who has training, yeah. the practice application prevents, the, even though the, the, the emotional state is still there, we're able to activate both parts of our brain and still think clearly in, in those situations. You're still afraid you should be. Yeah. I mean, but yep. you're able to still think clearly. Right. That's Whereas a stop, drop difference. and roll, dude, when was the last time you're sitting at home and you're like, all right, 
I'm going to practice my stop, drop, and roll. Not once. Never, ever since I learned it from some creepy fireman when I was in kindergarten. Yeah, not right? once. Never. So that's the problem with stop, drop, and roll. It's not a useful way of thinking about that. So that's another reason why I emphasize to clients, hey, these strategies, they need to be practiced. Okay? As goofy as they might seem. And also don't practice them like when the stakes are high. You know, practice them. You're sure you've heard of the term like strike while the iron is cold. Absolutely. It's, it's a useful way of looking at this and saying, look, just 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 practice this when everything's calm, cool, Get the reps collected. In. Right. Yeah. Because then the next time it comes around, you're gonna be you're gonna be using these. So absolutely. Should we take a look at the skill That's here? A good meta. I like yeah. it. I yeah. Yeah. So let's take a look at this. So emergency strategies. Look at that PowerPoint. So pretty. Fancy, fancy. You got, okay. some, you got some props, by the way, on your PowerPoint from the task force training. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 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 Who said uh, something? Rockwood said something. He was like, how do you, he was like asking me like how, like he was like, how'd you do that, Jeff? I was like, I'll not, never not give him yeah. my secrets, yeah. my PowerPoint secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and then a couple of our staff. That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so basically these are just strategies, like we said, to, to, to deal with situations that present immediate risk of engaging in high risk, high risk behaviors. Okay. So this would not be something that, that, um, you know, you have time to plan, you have time to talk to your therapist about, you know, this would be, I'm cleaning out my, like a substance use example might be something like I'm cleaning out my house. I'm doing spring cleaning and unbeknownst to me, you know, I turn over, a, a rug or something that's been there for a minute that I'm going to throw out and, you know, out comes a meth pipe. Oh, okay. <laughs> that happens to people. <laughs> Huge trigger. You know, when I was actively mm. using, I, I probably didn't notice, not me, I'm talking about clients, but um, I probably didn't remember that it was there, you know, and it just came out. Okay, now I'm triggered. That'd be a useful time to use an emergency right. strategy, yeah. right? Or um, <laughs> I was thinking about those silly scenarios that are talked about in one of those, uh, those old like juvenile uh, sex offender manuals. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. somebody comes over and tries to drop their kid off cause they have to take their other kid to the hospital. What yeah. do you do? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, why don't they a, just take their other yeah, kid yeah. to the hospital? <laughs> no. Yeah. The, Shut the door. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, even if that happened to me, I wouldn't take that. Do any- you, you had to give some mark, like some Liberty to the, yeah. the authors of those books. <laughs> cause they were a little silly. So like we said, rehearsal, rehearsal is crucial in this. Yeah. Um, we want, these strategies be second nature and we kind of talked about the reasons why people don't remember those okay so one thing this is so i I think you have two categories okay you're gonna have if you have a history of engaging in those high-risk behaviors whether it's substance use sexual you know proclivity whatever they are you're gonna have urges and and i think substance use has another category that we have to take into account which is cravings cravings are a little bit uh more intense, I would say, you know, cause they have not just psychological, but you know, there's physical, all kinds of yeah. things going. So one thing we try to say in this is urgence and cravings are normal. Everyone experiences them. So like, I don't know, it's probably important that clients know that this isn't a, the, the urge to do this is not a setback in and of itself. I've had to explain that to clients. They sometimes I'll ask them if they had an urge to use or something. And I can tell that they, they, they feel like if they say yes, that I'm going to look at them negatively. Like, Oh, you, you had an urge, you had a craving, like, Oh man, you're, you're, uh, you're slipping. Right. And so I, yeah, I have to kind of undo some of that. Well, and so many therapists do that too. You know, like I, 
um, there was a therapist not too long ago. I kind of had to talk off the ledge because they were saying that a, a client might need inpatient treatment because they were talking about past marijuana use. And I was like, right. Well, you probably should be talking about past marijuana use. Talking about it in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing, even if there's some glorification. Yeah, there's some cognitive distortions in there that you need to work on. But just that that's a good indicator of where they are. So just roll with it. Roll with it, everybody. And clients, if you're listening to this, just say, you know, okay, well, the end. It, it's there, right? They're to be expected, especially when you're first making change. Change takes time. Um, and the cool thing about it is they're time limited. So yeah. they'll pass. The reason why this is, uh, and it's in, you taught me this a long time ago. It's like economics 101 about subsidizing something. What's the rule about subsidizing? If you subsidize something, you get more of it. Right. So if we subsidize or, you know, in this case, reinforce the craving or the urge by acting on it. So in, in a relapse in terms of like using or if I'm trying to avoid pornography, I look at, I don't know, some not porn on YouTube or, yep. or, or something or yep. Instagram model or whatever the hell mm-hmm. it is. Um, I, I am now, you know, reinforcing that. And then now it's going to be stronger the next time. It's going to be more difficult and it's going to take more time to pass. Right. So if I just chill, it will go away for sure. Find some way to use this strategy like we're going to get into to right. get to allow that time to pass. Exactly. Yep. Um, and the cool thing about this, and this is something I think everybody should dig is that if you are, if you are experiencing them, that is an indication that you are making changes. Like, you know, uh, it would be weird. I would say for sure you do not have a problem if you didn't have any urges or cravings to go back to the behavior you're trying to avoid in the first place. Mm. So the fact that they're happening, um, do we want the frequency and the intensity and the duration to go down? I think so. You know, that's a good metric, but going away completely, I don't know if they ever go away completely. Right, right. Exactly. And by by the way, do you give any credence to the whole, like a craving lasts nine minutes or something. You, you hear these like funny numbers and things or yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? The habit takes 30 days. To that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it's variable to everybody. I mean, I think that, you know, um, I, I would worry not so much about the time as the intensity. Right. Um, uh, I, I would say that to me is, is and, and all of them are good. Like all, I mean, you can, cause that's where an emergency strategy comes in. This is not intended to, like, cause if I have a, like, I always give a scale from zero to a hundred, yeah, right? Yeah. Zero is no craving whatsoever. 100 is the most, it's the biggest craving I could ever even imagine. Yes. I've never even had that big of a craving. And I ask, okay, that's just a concept. There's not really a, a gauge in your head. It's arbitrary. What bit. number am I going to relapse? Is it 85? Okay, so, it's yeah, 80. yeah. Let's say I say 85. Okay. It's 85, right? Yeah. I want to say 85. <clears throat> I'm going to use. Okay. So then an emergency strategy takes you from 85 to an 80. It mm-hmm. does not get you out of the wood woods. It, it buys you enough time to use another intervention. That's Whether, critical to talk right. about with clients because they, they, they'll give up on these things when it doesn't completely eliminate the craving to begin with. Right. You have to put it in context like you're saying. So whether that's I get a support person or I call a crisis line or whatever that is. It, it just gets me through the next five minutes. That's yeah. how it's designed. It, it gives you enough time to think clearly enough that I can use another intervention because interventions should build on one another. Okay. And, and that's, you know, enough time to maybe create physical and mental distance away from whatever the trigger is like yeah. that, that could be a ton, but so this is why I don't think duration is that important because 
what if my what if my cravings at a 15 yeah does, if my like threshold is 85, 85 i can hold 15 all day right you know what i mean doesn't yeah. matter how long the craving is so right but or is it like 90 seconds but it's like in 92 right yeah. right intensity intensity to me seems way more important and that's where emergency strategies are, are a little bit more uh effective i i'd say and that's awesome. where you know the other ones should you be at a 15 all the time eh, seems that'd be I don't know. Be a little annoying. Kind of stressful. And <laughs> yeah, and we yeah. can work on on getting that down. It's probably just poor choices in what you're doing in daily living. But right. that's how yeah. yeah, I don't know if you need to I mean do anything like an emergency strategy at right. that point. So first one we talk about is distraction. So these are kind of this is like a generic list. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the one thing I always just say about distractions is this has to be so distractions is an easy one. Just distract yourself away from this. Now the key to this We've given physical activity, talking to someone, listening to music, non-triggering music. I mean, if if you were living to listening to uh, Jaquan Tipsy, like, <laughs> shout out to the nineties, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or was awesome. that early two thousands? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you know, if you that was you had a lot of fun times with that. Eh, stay away from that one. Um, watching TV or a movie, reading, playing games, doing a puzzle. Mm-hmm. You know, um, video games are also included in that. Look, I don't care what it is. What the the main point about this is that it legitimately grabs your attention. Right. This has to be something that not only do you look forward to doing, you should probably practice depriving yourself from using this and only using it when you know. Like oh, I, I had okay. a client talk to me about this not too long ago and I was asking him about this and I was like, well, so what's a game you really like to play? And he's Fortnite. I was like, okay, Fortnite. All right. So I know this sounds really hard, especially for a dude getting out of prison, you know, but what, you know, that should be your go-to like is depriving yourself deliberately from playing Fortnite unless you're in an emergency and then allowing yourself to play it. You know, because, what's the reason? Because, that is something that he it really grabs his attention. He really loves playing that game, and if he were to pull it up, it would grab his attention, and he would get his mind off of whatever that was because he'd be focused on playing the game. And if if he had just played Fortnite day in day out, it wouldn't have the same effect at turning the volume down on the craving. No, it'd, it'd be it'd be similar to like this is my daily routine, right? So so it's not a good distraction, right? You have so, to have it mean something. So yeah, just coming up with like a generic. Well, I guess, well, I, guess I could read a book, you know. I'm like, well, it says here in your assessment you can't even read, but I mean, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean, like. I, I don't mean to make light of it. I'm saying you need to do something that's going to legitimately grab your attention. Yeah. I don't care what it is because anything at that point is, is, you know, pretty safe compared to you. You can have arguments of whether or not video games are productive. I'm not, I don't care about productivity. I'm talking about, you need to distract yourself temporarily. Bro, I, I got this one from our old boss, uh, Brian. Um, he, he'd always say like, if you, you talk about the value of exercise, mm-hmm. and, but not the typical endorphins, this and that. He, he would say 30 seconds, balls to the wall, maximal exertion, and you're going to be in a fundamentally different mood than you were 30 seconds ago. Yeah. You know, just blast burpees for 30 seconds. Yeah. If you're outside, like this one's not as easy to do, but uh, you look like a crazy person, but I've done this a couple of times. I'll step outside my house mm-hmm. and just book it down the block, mm-hmm. you know, just full, full tilt sprint. Yeah. And like, 
uh, I'm sucking wind and I'm no longer stressed. Right. It's kind of hard to keep your mind on anything. So, so again, it needs to legitimately grab your attention. I I don't think you have to like it. That's also another thing too. Like if you like it and you dig it, you, the thing is you should prevent yourself from doing it because then you're more likely to continue doing it. But if it, all I want is you to distract yourself, get yourself into a different mind state. Okay. Real simple. And when you do this with clients, you want to practice this. You want to say, okay, well, what is this? You know? And then I would just want to talk to them. Okay. Well, how would you do that? Like, so if you're at work and you experience this, right, this is where Fortnite starts to fall apart. Okay. We got to come up with another one. So you got to, I mean, you don't, they don't play Fortnite in front of you in your session. I'm Mm -hmm. saying like, how do we, let's rehearse this in terms of talking it through. How are we going to plan on like skill steps? Right. If I'm going to use this. So another one is uh, real simple, just deep breathing. Okay. This is one that I think probably you can combine with anything. And we just right. say, and I know this sounds like trivial, basic, but it's really important for yeah. activating the part of your brain that we want taking over at this moment. So in times of panic, like we said before, when you're on fire, the problem is, is the part of your brain you want to work doesn't. It shuts right. off. You go into survival mode. Your limbic system starts firing on all cylinders and you go into survival mode, even though you might not be in actual mortal danger. Right. Yeah. And then you act like an idiot and you don't think very clearly. Whereas you have been in, you know, I mean, if homeboy wanted to choke you and continue to choke you, you could die. Yeah. The problem. Right. Yeah. But you don't panic. I mean, there's another multiple things going on through your head. I have a good rolling partner. I have to think my way out of this, you know, been, I know, in, the, been in the situation 500 times before I know that I yeah. know the move to counter this, yeah. like your mind's working, you know, really well. I saw you one time when you were going against, uh, who's that, who's that old UFC fighter that was it? Oh, uh, DeMarcus. DeMarcus. Yeah. yeah. And you were in a tournament with him. This is kind of early on. And like I saw you were, he had you in trouble and then you like kind of reset and recalibrate and like uh-huh. look down and then everything was fine. I was like, Oh, okay. Like, Anybody in another situation would be panicking, freaking out at that point. So this. You remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just cool to watch because deep breathing helps with that. I'm I'm deliberately taking steps to activate my prefrontal cortex, which is doing the thinking. So close your damn mouth. Don't say anything, you know. And at times, you know, as a, as with clients, you can kind of encourage them to do this. But deep breathing is I'm going to close my mouth. I'm going to breathe through my nose and out through my mouth. And I'm going to repeat real simple. OK, I, I feel like I need to explain to clients kind of what you just did to me to sell this, because clients often do. I think they think it's trivial or just sort of like, really, that's the advice you're going to give me. Oh, wise one is you have to I, I have to kind of explain the whole limbic system and and use examples of it. To, yeah, because this one is probably one of the most effective for kind of getting the sympathetic to switch back over to parasympathetic. Uh, it's like the, the lever that we have to kind of switch that area of our nervous system. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so basic. It seems obvious, but yeah, it, it, this one takes a sales pitch in my experience. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. The other one is this is progressive muscle relaxation. What I like about this is this, this normally now this, this has two different tracks. So the first one is, when you're doing this and you do your entire body. Okay. Now, if you're doing your entire body, that's tricky. And that takes some time because essentially you're contracting and relaxing every single muscle that you possibly can in your body. And there's a few good videos on YouTube that you can watch that walk you through from head to toe. Really, it's designed to kind of coach your mind and your body 
to noticing what's the difference between a tense and relaxed state. Yes. So particularly, like if you don't do a whole lot of exercise, practicing this on a regular basis is very helpful. The emergency strategy only focuses down to your shoulders and it requires basically 40 seconds. Huh. Okay. So find a quiet spot and you can do this without looking like a freak. Okay. You find a quiet spot, tighten the muscles in your face and head, hold for 10 seconds, then release. Tighten the muscles in your jaw, hold for 10 seconds, then release. Tighten the muscles in your neck, hold for 10 seconds and release. Tighten the muscles in your shoulders, hold for 10 seconds, then release. I've, I don't know if I've just bypassed it or missed it, but I haven't I haven't seen or heard anybody talk about the emergency strategy version of this. I always kind of thought progressive muscle relaxation was out of place yeah. in the emergency strategies. Is oh, that, yeah. They updated it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. this is much more fitting because yeah. I have 40 seconds. Now that I mean, makes sense. Yeah, and, and so I can do this standing. I can go find a, like, you know, if I'm on, I don't know, doing factory work or something like that and somebody said something to me and I want to punch them. I can go take a break for a minute and just walk through this. And by virtue of doing this, you're naturally going to put yourself in a more relaxed state. Okay. I mean, your body really can't help it if you're doing this correctly. The other one is visualization, pleasant imagery. This one just is real simple. Close your eyes. Imagine a peaceful scene. Always reminds me of happy Gilmore in a happy place. <laughs> yeah. So describe the scene to yourself. Identify <laughs> all the scenes you're experiencing there. What do you see, hear, feel, smell, taste? Essentially, this is a grounding exercise. This is also, you can also kind of do this right. in real time in the environment you're in. It's just a five, four, three, two, one technique. Mm -hmm. What are five things you can, you know, see? Uh, what are four things you can hear? What are three things you can feel? What are two things you can smell? What's one thing you can taste, right? Mm -hmm. um, and And just go from there. And really what you're doing is taking yourself out of your head and trying to bring yourself into the here and now. That's really all you're trying to accomplish when you're doing this. So, I mean, it's a real super one. One thing we do try to tell clients is choose an image that doesn't involve illegal behavior, substance use, or, you know, sexual behaviors. I mean, the, yeah, the Happy Gilmore's Happy Place had a lingerie-clad woman in it. Well, which and is beer. fine. And, and beer. beer yeah. So don't do that. And then, dude, I love it when Shooter comes in there and then just freaking <laughs> yeah. makes out with her. <laughs> makes out with his grandma. <laughs> well, one thing I was going to say on yeah. this just real quick. Uh, if you're a therapist teaching this, so you see the part, what do you see here? Uh -huh. feel, feel, smell, and taste. I, uh, when I'm, when I'm running a group, I, I'll usually, I mean, no one wants to close their eyes in a group full of other dudes. So I'll usually have them just stare at their knees while they're sitting down, you know, and, um, I, I say, I'm, I'm going to ask these questions out loud. I don't want anybody to answer. I just want you to consider in your head. And so when I say, what do you see? I'm tempted to start suggesting things that they might consider seeing, but I, I just, I leave it open-ended. So what do you see? Dot, dot, dot. What do you hear? I, I, I slow it down. I, 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 cause it's easy to rush through this. And if the, if the client isn't, hasn't actually stopped to consider all five senses, they're less likely to have it be real. Less, yeah. less like it. So you, you really want to make this as true to life, full color, the, you know, any kind of sounds that might be there. Uh, cause left, left alone on, you know, without going through that, it, it, I've noticed it's like a pretty meaningless behavior. You, you got to really sell it. Like as far as getting the clients to as much as possible, make themselves there. And I have a story, I won't tell it today, but yeah. I have a story that I tell about 
this experience uh, on a beach in uh, Hawaii. Yeah. And I just, I take them through it first, explain all my sensations, and then I take them through mm-hmm. it in more of like a guided way. Which, which is a good, I mean, that that's, so if you're doing good therapy or teaching a, a strategy, I'd say don't ever ask clients to do something that you're not willing to do and yeah. for sure demonstrate. So when you're doing this, demonstrate this for them, mm-hmm. okay? And then, and then get feedback from them on what they noticed about this and then ask them to pick something that's important to them and then walk them through this. An individual, you can actually get that feedback from them and ask them what they're seeing, what they're, but I, I think having a backup plan on this, because again, I mean, if your boss is yelling at you, you know, for doing the wrong thing or something like, and just closing your eyes, yeah, <laughs> be a little weird, yeah. but you can do it with your eyes open using the five, four, three, two, one technique. Yeah. So yeah, right. again, yeah, you're just trying to avoid that. Get yourself through the next five minutes. Nice. And, uh, I think this is the last one. So this is just positive self-talk. Now, one thing about this is this is not just like giving yourself attaboys. Okay. Like, and, and <laughs> I, I mean, saying that, bro, you know, saying, turn that frown upside down or keep yeah. on trucking or, or just, I mean, I don't know, worthwhile person yeah, or whatever other yeah. dumb, you know, uh, what are, I appreciate <laughs> some you of saying the cliches that. That so, that, lame. so I'm just saying, okay, you, so this says that what we try to encourage clients to do is think about statements that remind you that you've been successful in the past. Like I've got this. Yeah. Yeah. Real simple, easy to remember. I always like, you know, I always like the idea that, you know, you've survived your worst days. That's always really important to hear, Yeah, no you sure, know, huh? like, yeah, well you're here. Right. I mean, after all, yeah, so right. you've, you've survived your worst experience and you're better for it. So, I mean, just recognizing that do, you should be able to get through the next little bit. Do you link this in with oh. any of your accomplishments? Like, like finishing an Ironman? I mean, I, I, I would have to imagine that finishing an Ironman has got to be one of the most fulfilling, like, damn, did I just do that shit type of moments? Yeah. I think just reminding yourself, like, um, I mean, even when I've heard, you know, trainers that, you know, you're going through some sort of crazy exercise and, you know, and somebody's like, you can do anything for 20 seconds. Like I've, I've heard, you know, yoga instructors doing hot yoga and you're holding some crazy pose and you're like ready to die. And you're like, I'm just going to let go. And they're like, nah, you got 20 seconds. Mm. You can do anything for 20 seconds. Just chill. You know, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can, I can do that for 20 seconds. Like, that's cool. You know, just reminding myself that I can get through it. So I think those are really, yeah. And Iron Man or any accomplishments I think is, is really important, but also that you, I mean, you, you have survived your worst days. Otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation. Is that you know more I mean? impactful to you than like a thinking of a positive, like thinking of that you've made it past negatives? Yeah. I like that. And then also I always, you know, it's always nice to remind myself like how fortunate sometimes we are to worry about stuff like this. You know, like Dude. if we were in certain third world countries, I'm like, First rule of problems are all right. Nobody's are worried about these things. So, yeah. I mean, we're in pretty good shape, you know. Um, right. Also, think about statements that remind you that you will be successful in the future. So, it's not just like reminding yourself of, of previous successes, but things that remind you that you're going to be successful in the future. And I'm not, you know. It's you, only uphill from here. <laughs> right. Here's what I would say about this is, yeah, avoid cliches, but also avoid comparing yourself to somebody who's like super successful. Okay. I mean, if you compare yourself to Elon Musk, you're a loser all the time. Okay. Yeah. If, if your if your measure is money, okay, you're lo- or everything, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You're, so yeah. 
you only compare yourself to yourself. That's it. That's the best positive thing that you can do is compare yourself to yourself and how much better you're going to be in the future as a result of that. Yeah. And then last thing is, you know, just remind yourself that you will succeed. Real simple stuff there. So, Beautiful. Uh, yeah. So those are kind of some some really positive strategy, I think, that we can, you know, that clients can use. And uh, yeah. So anything else we want to say on this? No. Just keep it right there. That's pretty short. 40 minutes 40 that was about what we planned yeah so okay well until next time folks and that about does it for this episode of the podcast if you like what you hear put the five-star ratings address on craigslist advertising that their house is going to be demolished and everything the reader can remove is free. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please help us grow by giving us a five-star rating and sharing with a friend. Keep your one-star ratings to yourself, but those of you planning to leave a three-star rating, you guys need help. We'd like to stay in chat longer, but we're lying. Good night. Good night.